Well, hey everyone, welcome to the Restoring Home Podcast. We offer supports and resources to parents before, during, and after court. I'm your host, Lisa Welter, and we've got a round table of family mediators coming together to discuss control and conflict. But before we get started, let's introduce our mediators. Um, hi. I'm Melissa Miroslavich, and I am an attorney and mediator. I work at Gallowitz and Olson, which is a law firm in Lake Elmo, Minnesota, but we serve um, we serve all of Minnesota and the greater Twin Cities area. I'm Pastor Michaeline Verletz. I am a Lutheran pastor, and I serve St. Timothy's Lutheran Church in Columbia Heights, and I am a family and church mediator. Hi, I'm Katrina Villegas. I'm a partner and attorney at a law firm in Duluth, Minnesota that does service all of northeastern Minnesota as well as northwestern Wisconsin. Uh, the business is called Bomir Trogdon Orman Heard in Villegas. That's me, the Villegas at the end. I'm also um, uh, doing transformative family mediation as well as maintaining a family law practice for Wisconsin and Minnesota. My name is Kima Chamberlain, and I am the owner of Life Happens Mediation based out of Cambridge, and I'm a social worker by trade, and I'm a foster mama, and uh, yeah, just happy to be here. Today, we're going to talk about why we control, and I think this is kind of a unique topic, but I think it fits really well with last week's episode on over-functioning and under-functioning parents. We want to continue that conversation today as women why do we control? What's underneath that? Let's talk as uh, family mediators, what that looks like in our environments as we're working with families, but also how it connects to us personally. Michaeline, what's behind all of that for you? Oh, you know, I think I get caught a little bit by watching other people, maybe even social media. Um, and so I create my own through my own anxiety and just weird expectations that I've placed on myself because I think everybody's doing it better than me. I I like to control the outcome. Um, I've always been this way. So I feel like it's something that is sort of in me um, because I'm determined and driven. And um, what I've learned over time as being part of a family and learning that as my kids have gotten older, that they have their own voices that my way isn't always the best way. Oh, that just <laughs> makes my heart hurt just a little bit because I, you know, I go into it thinking that. Um, but I do think that's where my my controlling comes from is this need to be sort of perfect um, and instead letting um, excellence prevail. I think my sense of wanting to control things comes from a few different places. One I've learned just through introspection over time is that um, the home I was raised in, I was led to believe that I was responsible for more than myself. And I've had to kind of relearn over the years that that is not always true. Um, but the perfectionism is really in play there as well. Um, despite my non-traditional household, I was raised in a very conservative and traditional home where women and moms were expected to play a very specific role. And that was to do literally everything except bring in the paycheck, you know, everything besides that. And so as the breadwinner in my household, it's kind of hard to ratchet that down to what could be a good situation for our household. What do we want this to look like? Because that's just 
not going to work in the long run. I could do it and I could burn myself out and, you know, blow up my family, blow up my marriage, but obviously that's not what I want to have happen. Um, and a third factor that I think comes up maybe more in my work life than in my personal life is, is the sense of wanting to control really coming from a place of distrust. And is there a relationship that we need to be repairing here? And that is a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that Katrina, like I also have to like kind of look back in time to kind of see maybe why I am the way that I am. And I also grew up in a, I would consider it a non-traditional household with a lot of external factors that played a role in our household. Three here is first black family, like interracial couple in the town. Um, My dad was the first black man in the town. Um, So like, I feel like societally, people already looked at him differently. And so then my mom also was like, okay, well, we're already non-traditional, so I'm going to work. And my mom worked in fields that were not considered quote unquote feminine or, you know, whatever she worked in the police force type stuff. And like they, both my parents are military parents as the older sister, it was kind of my role to make sure, and not even my role. I was put into a position where I felt the need to have to care for him to make sure that he had what he needed. And in the event that something went wrong, of course, who's going to be looked to, it's going to be me because I'm the older sister. As I'm listening to each of you, I'm like, there's so many variants to consider. And so it's like peeling the onion. And I, you know, as I think about those that we serve in mediation or in our professional settings, it's, it's helpful for us to have this conversation at a personal level that we all can have some of these tendencies in our own functioning households or how we're operating as a mom or a parent. And I want to kind of turn it just a little bit and talk about what we're seeing uh, in our mediation environments or in our professional settings. Now that we've talked about this, Melissa, I'm going to lean on you first, just to speak to this. What are you noticing in these controlling attributes when it comes to conflict in family law or in the mediation setting? And how is it, uh, getting more intensified or magnified in those settings. Just speak to that. Um, I can think of an example that happens quite often in my practice in mediation. I see it as well as a practicing attorney in family law. Um, So one of the areas I think that it's most prominently obvious to me when I'm working with clients is um, it's a family where there's been a dissolution. So the, the parents are divorced and they've now gone from one household to two households. And I find that there's um, a lot, there can be conflict when one parent who um, maybe has the head has been in that role where they've sort of controlled everything um, or they were the over-functioning parent, which we talked about last time. And now that there are two households, that parent is still sort of reaching in and trying to do those, play that role, over-functioning, controlling in the other parent's home. And when you have a divorce and you've created two households, really that that's no longer uh, important and not really the controlling parents place to do that anymore. Because the fact of the matter is when you have two separate households, each household is going to run individually. Each household is going to do things the way they do things. And there's no longer that ability really to control the other side. And so I spend a lot of time talking with clients and asking a question which is a hard question, I think, but who cares that it's being done in a different way? And why do you care? And and I know when I ask those questions, those are hard questions to answer because in my own life, 
I have that controlling sort of feeling. And I have to sometimes do that to myself. Like, why do I care about this? And then take a step back and really think through. Um, and I ask clients to do this all the time. Think through why, why do we care? What are we trying to accomplish here? And then can we accomplish it? Because really the other person, your, your spouse is going to do things the way they're going to do things, but the kids will get fed and, you know, the appointments will be made. And quite frankly, when you have two households, it's almost more challenging because now you have to over-communicate who's really doing those roles and making sure that the other parent knows and is on top of it. And you actually have to add a layer of communication um, that is challenging. And when you have children, that's going to last a really long time. And so um, a lot of conversations we have in mediation, as well as with clients, is how are we going to communicate without controlling? And so I think that's a, that's a hard question for people to work with, but it's really, really important to having successful uh, family because from your kid's perspective, you're still a family. They still have a mom and a dad. They just happen to live in different homes. And so the way parents can figure out a way to communicate without over-controlling um, is really important. My my one example, and then I'll, I'll pass it off, is um, I was in, I was in a mediation, and one parent was furious that the other parent was on their phone during a baseball game, and they wanted the other parent to get off their phone and pay attention to the game. But really, that parent is in charge of their own relationship with their child, and so even though I think the um, the controlling parent was like, I want this to happen because I want the kids not to be hurt, I think, or feel neglected or whatever, whatever the feelings or the interest was behind that. What really comes out in the wash is each parent has their own relationship with their children and their chosen behaviors are going to affect that relationship. But trying to tell somebody that they can't be on their phone or whatever isn't the way to resolve that. It's let that parent have the relationship and it will be what it will be in the end. You know, kids will make their own decisions at 20. 16, 18, they've got two feet, they can decide where they're going to be. So that's my, that's my take on it when I'm working with clients. You know, I've been listening and the word that keeps coming up, and I know this is for February and we're in the month of February, which is Valentine's Day and love, that what I see when I see people controlling, it's, it's love. They're doing it out of love. Um, we control because we want, we want to love and we want the other person to love the way we love. And so if we can trust in knowing that there's many different styles of love that, you know, and just to accept that, um, you know, I think about the mediations I've done and that's the one thing I see both parents really loving their child and I think deep down inside they still love each other but the anger is so real that it just can't um, surface but they both love their children they both want the best and you know they're just they're competing with each other to show that love and to control that love so if we can if you can get, I try really hard to get parents to see how the other person loves, that it is good and it may be different, but that's the blessing of having a mom and a dad or, or whatever your family situation is made of, that both parties really deeply love that child. I, I just love what you're saying about 
Where is this control coming from? How does it come out in situations of conflict? And I do just as an individual want to believe and in most circumstances, I think it is true that a lot of this control might be coming from a place of love. Um, but as an attorney who deals with a lot of high conflict cases that unless I'm very careful to ask the right kinds of questions and more importantly, to listen very actively to what my clients or the other parties are saying, sometimes it's actually coming from a place of fear. And I feel like um, if there's a gridlock in mediation, it's very important to discern, is this coming from a place of love? Is it coming from a place of fear? Is there some sort of situation that maybe didn't rise up to the level of child neglect or child abuse um, or substance abuse or something like that in this home that is kind of an unspoken problem that hasn't been addressed? You know, like maybe mom was told by her lawyer that like, well, you know, your husband never got a drinking and driving violation. And so you can't really bring up his alcohol issues. Well, I'm sorry, clearly that's going to affect this mother's level of trust in having an equal parenting time relationship for a young child, especially with that parent. So if it's coming from a place of fear, I feel the need to dig a little deeper to, you know, is there a safety concern here that maybe isn't being um, addressed in a way that's been meaningful for one of these parents. And that really is going to continue the conflict no matter what their agreement says. So we might as well get that out on the table. And it's really, you know, what are we concerned about in this household? What are we concerned about in this other household? Ideally, there'd be autonomy in both households. But if there is this like clenching, sometimes it is coming from a place where there's a, a real issue that needs to be borne out. So I, I try to be mindful of that as well. I actually just was thinking too, just like uh, Katrina just mentioned, <laughs> I feel like we're like in the same brain here. Um, that there could be other, like, I think most of the time people are, tr are controlling or try to take on that role more because they care and because they are coming from a place of love. But there are other times that have to be considered in which it could be out of fear or it could be like, I don't know. And maybe it's my background in like the social worky type stuff and being a foster parent and seeing like, I genuinely believe that 90% of the kids that have entered this household, their parents love them and care for them and want what's best for them. And it's my job to continue to love and care for them as well. But then also keeping my eyes open for maybe those safety concerns or um, things that are off that, that can cause harm to the kids that are in this home if they're on a visit or whatever. So just being aware of how that can come off. And like, yes, that probably leans more into that controlling person that I can be. But it's also coming, like for me, it's coming from a place of like, I have to do this to care for these children that are in my care. Um, but also just keeping an eye out and open for their parents and allowing them that space to express how they're feeling or not judging, never coming from a place of judgment, but just also being aware that there could be other reasons why they're very specific about things or they're wanting certain things or, you know, whatever. Um, and coming from a place of love, not only towards their children, but also towards them because they're part of their life forever. Wow. Great nuggets of wisdom from each of you. I appreciate it. I'm going to borrow Melissa's comment from our last episode. Melissa, you said, catch yourself before you wreck yourself. And I think for all of us, if we're parents or uh, 
we're leaning in as co-parents, right? In a circumstance where we might have a blended family or maybe a single parent home that we're thinking about. You know, if you are not able to reach out and connect with that co-parent or your spouse in a way that uh, you're being productive in this conversation, so much of this is misinterpreting or you need the opportunity to come to the table and talk through these matters. If you can't do that over a cup of coffee or at a coffee shop or in your own household, mediation can be an amazing setting to dive deeper into this particular conversation to help each other understand where each of you are coming from and uh, leaning in to see if there really is an issue that needs to be addressed, if it's more related to child safety or those neglect circumstances. So for those of you who are listening, you know, mediation can be a viable solution to you if you're not able to come to that table and have these candid conversations that are constructive rather than destructive. This week's episode has been sponsored by the Catalasso Group. We're empowering families and communities in restorative family mediation training, services, and other parent resources for the state of Minnesota and all across the U.S. Check out our website at thecatalassogroup.com. To find more information about a mediator that you've heard from today or other mediators, check out the restoring-home.com website for more details and find out how you can get connected to awesome mediators.